And what we want to do now is have a turning point within our hearts. We've talked about the story of God and how it is the story of us. But now that story must be shared with people who don't know him. So they can come into this love and power that changes a heart and gives destiny. So I've asked Arnie to come and talk about this whole idea of the church being passionate for soul winning. It's going to be a powerful message to us this morning and then tonight as he focuses in on our families. He'll tell you all about that. Have your hearts open. Let's receive Arnie Jacobson this morning. God bless you as you come. Hallelujah. Wow, it is, it is really fantastic to be here and to be with your pastor again. Last time I was with him, it was in uh, the spirit of Elvis overcame me in, uh, in Memphis. And, um, <laughs> but uh, how fortunate you are to have this gift of he and his family to lead this great church into the next level. Amen. 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 Uh, before I launch into this morning's message, I'd like to just uh, share a little bit about what we're going to be doing tonight. I believe tonight is going to be a life-changing, uh, just sort of re-energizing of your spirits regarding your family members. How many of you have family members that are away from Christ or don't know Christ? Raise your hand. That's almost all of you. If you didn't raise your hand, meet me after the service. I'd like to talk to you about how you pull that off to, to do that. Um, actually, uh, when I preached for Pastor Ron in Memphis a couple of years ago, I, w I had finished a book called The Favor Factor and was coming to speak on the favor of God. And it really, that also leads to leading people to Christ also. But uh, somehow in our conversation, and it was, I'm sure it was me, I missed the fact that he wanted me to share in the Sunday evening service. Now, I've been a pastor for a lot of years, and I could have, you know, so he said to me, well, what are you doing Sunday night? And just in my spirit, it just popped out family evangelism. And that uh, Saturday afternoon, I went back to the hotel, and the Sunday afternoon, and from Acts chapter 16, it's something I'd lived for a long time but never really put it down, uh, was the really birthplace of this little book called Five Keys to Reaching Your Family for Christ. And I don't know if you realize this, but it's the number one prayer request around the world. And uh, our publisher uh, Googled the subject and had not found anything specifically written on the subject for the last 15 years. And there's Christian books coming out all the time. And uh, this, is, this will encourage you. I believe scripturally there is a promise. It says in Acts 16, 31, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved, and your household. And how many know you can't lead carpet and sheetrock and garage doors to Christ? So it has to be your household. But so many Christians have become frustrated with their relatives simply because of a lot of different reasons or uh, you were excited and they just oh man, you're one of those crazy holy rollers or whatever. I mean, whatever, whatever they throw at you. But I want to encourage you that if you'll take these five steps and believe God, I believe we can see our family members come to Christ uh, some soon. I mean, maybe it'll be just right at death's door. I tell a story in the book of a man I led to Christ and when he said amen, it was, he pushed out his last breath. And his parents had been praying for him since the middle of the 1930s. You see, God answers prayer. And what we're going to do tonight, and I would encourage you all to come back. Maybe Sunday night isn't a part of your, your Sunday uh, program. I know it is for a lot of you. But if this afternoon you would just make a list of some of your unsaved family. It doesn't have to be all of them, but you can make as many as you want. I jokingly say, if you want to go to Ancestry.com, punch your name in there and just begin to believe. Or... Uh, uh, actually, you can go to the uh, 
Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints website. Now, I'm not joking. Most of you in this room have had your uh, family tree run by the Mormons. And I think, I think it's five or six bucks. They'll run your, uh, your genealogy right back to Adam and Eve. Uh, and the reason they do that, they have a, a thing that they do in their, in their church. It's done at the, uh, at the uh, uh, temple, not the tabernacle. where they, It's a program they call Baptism for the Dead. And they believe that if they get all these names and, and even just read those names off, that you'll get into the lower Mormon heaven where you can't be a polygamist. Shame, shame, you know. Uh, and I, I don't mean to make light of it. They're very sincere, but yet they're very misled. And so, but, uh, so make a list this afternoon and do it duplicate because what we want to do at the end of the service uh, is bring those names, lay them on the altar here, and we're going to pray God a prayer of agreement, or two or three or how many ever come tonight, and we're going to believe God, and we're going to expect literally a tsunami of, of, of Christian family members coming to Christ, coming back to Christ. And we're going to lift our level of belief because some people say, well, it can't happen. But I believe it can happen. I believe it will happen. And I believe it's the word of God. There's other scriptures along with Acts chapter 16 about households coming to Christ. Uh, I do have the book. They're right out here. Um, and I, I mean, I didn't say this in the first service. Maybe I should have, and I'll say it tonight. Uh, the book is $10. $10. Everything that is given to me today, uh, in the, it, whatever you give me as a church, goes directly to the church there. I don't, I don't get that. This is really where I get uh, whatever revenue comes from this. But if you don't have the money, the book is $10. You can take one for free. That's how important I think it is. Now, if you have the money and you take it, you know, you'll be standing before God and you say, remember that time when you took that book and you had the 10 bucks? But <laughs> so there you go. Amen. If you have your Bibles, open with me, please, to the uh, book of 2 Corinthians. We're going to visit uh, some verses there in just a few moments. Uh, as uh, Pastor was telling you about Utah, uh, it's unbelievable. People don't realize that Utah is another country in the United States of America. It is owned and operated by the Mormon church. They control the banks. They control the politics. They control everything. And, uh, but yet it's a right place to build a church. Yes. Amen. Seriously, if we could have this facility, just pick it up, pop it into Utah, we could probably fill it five, six times on Sunday morning. My son goes probably once or twice a month, maybe sometimes more, he doesn't always tell me. There's a facility uh, that has never been successful for the last 20 years. It started out as a big, fun palace. It's uh, right in between two exits, right on, uh, on the freeway. And has 220,000 square feet, 1,800 off-street parking places. And he goes out there and prays, God, you're going to give us this building uh, to build a great and mighty church. Because, see, they haven't seen it. Your church would be by far and away in a valley of 1,800,000 people, the largest evangelical. I mean, it would, be, it would blow their minds. So you can see the tremendous need. And so I want to thank you for sowing into it. But I want to talk to you today about uh, a message that I've entitled Restoration, Restore. And restoration means to bring back to the original. Now, my first automobile uh, that I purchased in 1965 was a 1965 Chevy Impala two-door. 327 horse, four on the floor, leather interior, had spinner wheels on it. It was regal red. It was a killer-looking car. 
3,500 bucks. Now that won't even get you a, a series of decent uh, equipment on a car today, let alone a whole car. And I was watching one of these restoration, uh, uh, where they restore cars, where they restored the car that I bought new. Now that tells you that I'm moving on up in age. And, uh, but you know what, I believe that God really wants me to speak at this present time to a restoration of getting the church back to basics. Getting us back to the, to the bottom line, back to basics. We've done some marvelous things in church. I mean, our church in Green Bay, we, had, we were on 80 acres, 120,000 square feet in the building. We had television equipment that actually the TV stations would come and borrow our booms and, and some of our cameras because we had better stuff than them. Uh, we had uh, uh, our kids' stuff was like Disneyland. I mean, it was a great thing, and it attracted people. We were on television on Sunday mornings. But we never, and, and great websites and uh, great youth stuff and all of those things, great children's stuff. I toured your facility here. The heart of this uh, team of pastors and leaders and your senior pastor is to the best you can. So when people come into the assembly, they have a tremendous experience, and it should be so. But you know what I have found in some cases, and, and, and sad to say in many cases, even those are, those are great things, and I'm really into excellence and doing everything as well as we can do it. But still, the bottom line of church growth is you. In, in Green Bay, we moved four times, uh, four different homes in 14 years. And it wasn't that we were, you know, moving on up because of the success of the church. You know, like we weren't like the Jeffersons moving on up to a deluxe apartment in the sky. We moved because we had evangelized our neighborhood in uh, the surrounding blocks. I, we, we were intense on doing that kind of evangelism, personal evangelism. Uh, even though we had thousands of people come to Christ through the ministry of our church and, and uh, special events, and we let Reggie White preach every once in a while, and you know, all the cheese heads came running like wild you know, to hear Reggie speak, and all those things are fine, but that still does not take the place yes. of personally reaching people for Christ. And, I, and I, I tell you, I modeled that in my life. And I'm not bragging. I'm telling you what, it's just who I am. And what I wanted to model to the people, there hardly would go a, a Sunday series of services or our Wednesday night service where I would not be inviting uh, people to stand that I had personally, through a series of events, brought to Christ. And what that created in our church was, if pastor's doing it, man, we need to do it. And as he told you, 82% of the people that came to our church got saved there. The largest evangelical church in Green Bay before we came was approximately 300 people. Catholic church on every corner, Lutheran church on every other corner. But the, the reality was we had to lead and reach these people to Christ. And so many Catholic families were coming to Christ. Now, I'm not saying all Catholics don't know Christ, but I'm telling you, a lot of them, it's just uh, religion. And you know what? Religion doesn't get you that far. I mean, you can come to church here and not be a Christian. You can stand in your, car, in your garage all day long and it doesn't make you a car, right? So what we did was we then strategized with these families that were coming in on how to reach their family members. A lot of that's birthed out in this book. But I want to tell you what, it needs to happen. How many have ever been to Salt Lake City, Utah? Have you, a few of you, a lot of you. Been, it's a very beautiful place. I mean, the, the city goes right up the side of the mountains, the, the Rocky Mountains, the Wasatch Front. Beautiful. I mean, it's gorgeous. I mean, outside of our home, you look up, and there's just mountains everywhere. It's gorgeous. And there's no flies or mosquitoes. Can you believe that? 
I always say, now I see why Brigham Young stopped there. I mean, you know, he wasn't slapping off mosquitoes. He just stood there. But one of the, and they got a great climate. It's very arid. It's, it's, it's great. You get great skiing. And by the way, I can fulfill that promise about, if you want to come and ski, your first day, you can ski free. Now, here's how you do it, though. You got to fly in early. And then you take your boarding pass to any lodge in Utah when you get there, and they'll let you ski free that day. I'm just telling them Arnie sent you. So I'm, I'm just, you know, Pastor wanted me to do that for you. But one of the real negative things about the climate, because it's a, it's a very close valley, you've got a mountain range on this side, a huge mountain range, and a lesser one on this side, the valley gets what's called a temperature inversion. And what happens is when high pressure stays too long and there's no wind, fog, exhaust, gunk, you know. I mean, they say if, you're, if you've got respiratory, don't go outside. You know, and what happens, it literally becomes like a fog. Like when I landed here yesterday, I didn't know. I mean, we were like 50 feet above the ground before uh, we even saw the ground. But when that hits, you don't see the mountains. You don't see the beauty. And then all of a sudden a wind will blow through and it'll sweep that, that gunk and that temp and all of a sudden there are the mountains again. And I think what we need to see happen in the church, even though we've done marvelous things with websites and buildings and parkings and phenomenal music, by the way, this is really, really good. I'm and I travel in a lot of places and some of them aren't quite this good. <laughs> all that stuff's wonderful, but I think we need to just get a, a wind of the Holy Spirit to just take it away and, and, and really move with it. You remember David. Now, I'm, I'm going to get to Corinthians in a few moments here. He said, I have until about 12 or a few minutes after and try to get you out so you can beat the Baptists to the cafeterias, but you never know. Uh, but you remember David. And, you know, the Bible says he was a man after his own heart, but he was a sinner. I mean, he'd be read up on the cover of the Inquirer with Tiger Woods, and Inside Edition would be doing stories on him. I mean, he stayed home from battle one time and was looking down where they, around the, the, the palace where they, his key leaders and military men lived, and he spotted Bathsheba taking a bath. And lust welled up within him. And he started a series of events. He had an adulterous affair tried to bring her husband home so that they could have relations to cover the fact that she was pregnant with his child. That didn't work. He put him in a place of battle where he was killed. Then his, his most trusted advisor, a, a, a godly man named Ahithophel, found out about all this and was a relative of Uriah and Bathsheba and plotted behind the back with his son to get him overthrown. And his son didn't listen to him or probably would have happened. And then you know the rest of the story where she has the baby and the baby dies in the palace nursery. And David washes himself and, and prays. And then Psalms 51, which spins out of that whole uh, sordid scenario. And David prayed this prayer, restore unto me the joy of my salvation and create a clean heart within me. Now, I, I think in a, in, a, in a sense, I'm not talking about the church having an adulterous relationship. But I want to tell you something today, ladies and gentlemen, that I believe we need to pray the prayer again, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Your pastor and team have been planning for a long time to launch you into a new realm of really getting back to where the church 
should have been as far as reaching people. And, and this, this I, I, I'm here today not to so much even talk about you, not to, so much to have you give to our church, and we are so thankful for that, but to in, in, incite in you a fresh passion. Statistics show that in the first year after we're saved is when the average Christian reaches about 90% of the people they're going to release for Christ. Why can't we maintain that passion? And I can tell you, and I'll honestly tell you this about me, I've been a Christian 43 years, and I have never lost that passion. In fact, if anything, it grows more and more intense. In fact, I told them in the first service, I am actually going to take my own funeral service. Maybe I can use your equipment here. I'll go back to Green Bay and do it. And I'm going to talk, at my funeral, I'm going to say, I'm not in that box, man. I'm not in there. I'm in heaven. And if you don't know Christ as your Savior, let me tell you, today would be a good day to get it straight. Right? If I'm in the hospital, when I'm, I don't know how I'm going to die. I'm not looking forward to the act of death. I'm not. I'm not am I going to rattle? Am I going to cough? Or, you know, what's going to happen? But even in the hospital, if I'm in a hospital or wherever I am, I want to lead someone to Christ just before I, I take off. And that's what I believe we need to bring back to the church. And all of us have spheres of influence, places we can go. The shortest verse in the Bible is, Jesus wept. He looked over the holy city of Jerusalem, and he wept because it had gotten away. It had strayed away from the strong cords of Judaism and, and, and relationship with Jehovah. And he, they had gotten away from it, and he wept. And I believe today he's sobbing over Salt Lake City. I believe today that he's weeping over this area, over Broken Arrow in Tulsa in Oklahoma, even though uh, statistically it's very religious, very committed. But he's still weeping, and he will continue to weep until everyone comes to know Christ. And I believe we need to see in the church such a tremendous move of God where you're leading people to Christ, bringing your friends, bringing your family so that, that it's just unbelievable. You won't be able to get here late. There won't be a seat. You'll have to, you'll have to go through traffic jams because it's going to happen. I've served on the board of the Full Gospel Church in Seoul, Korea with Dr. Uh, David Yonggi Cho. And one of his statements is, when he was building that great church, I am pregnant with people. You see, I, we're pregnant with a vision to see people burst into the kingdom. Amen? Now, as we study our, our text today, let's just, let's pray. Father, I pray in these next 15, 20 minutes or so that, Lord, I'll be able to communicate the heart of God in Jesus' name. Amen. 2 Corinthians, not 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Paul was a missionary, started many churches, missionary evangelism, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, and he established churches. And, and Corinth was a beautiful seaport city, uh, lovely place but very corrupt and he started a church there that took off and grew and prospered i mean the city was so wicked that even in the temples they ran prostitution rings that's a pretty pretty wicked city and then he left on other tours and now as the church began to age over time it had lost its first love it had lost what it was established for and i think sometimes that happens even so unknowingly to the church today we love our programs. We love everything that we do. But really, we are here to be a rescue shop, to reach people for Jesus Christ, to get our eyes on the lost and be hungry like never before, to have a wind come in and blow away everything that smudged the beautiful picture and made it beautiful. Because when things get older, they tend to lose their vitality. Right? Just listen to the commercials on TV. You can fill in the blanks. I've actually, in the last year or two, I've developed a little gobbler here. 
You know, I've, I've, I've been tempted to get information on a quick lift, but I couldn't afford that, so I bought one of these 1995 things you put under your chin and go, man, I'm trying, you know, I, 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 I want to do the best I can. I, I, you know, are you there? But you know, we don't have to lose our vitality. We can get back. We can restore the joy of our salvation. Amen? Are you understanding where we're coming from today? Hallelujah. Uh, Rick Warren wrote a book many years ago called The Purpose Driven Church, and then he wrote a book called The Purpose Driven Life. One of the things that people are looking for is their purpose. You know, I've just got, I've got a simple statement. Your purpose, as, your purpose to be here is to know God and make God known. And then live your life and build your life around that very theme. Somebody say amen. I mean, that's what we're here for. So let's reestablish those truths. Let's learn from what the Word of God has to say to us in 2 Corinthians to a church that had lost its vitality. And we'll just walk through this as quickly as we can. Verse 12. For we do not commend ourselves again to you, but give you opportunity to boast on our behalf that you may have an answer for those who boast in appearance and not in heart. See, a lot of, I mean, you know, we, I mean, that, that infomercial, I wish I'd have invented that little sucker that you go like this. I'm sure they're selling them like wild. I, I, did, I really did get one. You know, I, I did. And if, if a million other people paid $19.95, do the math because we're worried about our appearance. But he's saying here, look, it, you can boast in your appearance, but that's not what it's about. We've got to have a heart. God looks at the heart. And so he's trying to redirect this church back, divinely inspired by the Holy Spirit. He says, for if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. Or if we are of a sound mind, it is for you. I think we need to get beside ourselves for the lostness of mankind. When you drive home today, now I don't know the statistic here. I mean, it's huge in Utah. You could count off, for every 10 houses, there's only one half of a, of a house that would have a Christian witness in it. Maybe yours is maybe every five houses, and then there's two or three. But when you drive home, the lostness of mankind, what's going on in those homes? What kind of abuse? What kind of things are happening? They're your neighbors. They might put on a happy face. But we've just got to get so hungry again. So into it so that we just, we just, we're just beside ourselves. I'm beside our, myself to, to reach lost people for Christ. Well, we're, we're believing God. My son is believing God for a massive revival in Utah. That the Mormons would open up the tabernacle to us and, and allow that great event with the guy from Australia we had speak. His name is Nick. I can't say his last name. He's no arms, no legs. Man, he just he came up, wobbled up there, and he shared a clear-cut presentation of the gospel. And people were getting saved all over that, that Mormon tabernacle. God took a place that has been a cultic headquarters on Temple Square and turned it into an altar for Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Unprecedented. It's just the beginning. I'm praying that, that, that their, their quorum of the 70 and their 12 apostles, that Jesus, would, the real Jesus, not some procreated Jesus in a sexual thing that's going on in heaven happens, but the real Jesus would come into the midst of Salt Lake City, that he'd visit that place, that he'd visit every place. I'm beside myself. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves. That's a message to America. You know, I don't have time. Boy, you know, if you don't, if, you know, I just don't have time for God. I, I mean, I'm so busy building my, my stuff. You know what's happened? A lot of that's being scraped off of our society now. Unprecedented what's happening in our country and, and, and what's going on politically and all of these things. I think maybe we are at the preface of a great and mighty move of God. 
And wouldn't it be great if this church was one of the key catalysts to that happening in this religious city? Wouldn't that, come on now, we, isn't that exciting? And it can happen. Man, 120 people spilled out of the upper room on the day of Pentecost, evangelized the continent of Europe in under three years, and they did it without airplanes and without internet and without cell phones and without automobiles and without motorcycles and rampant transit. Something had to captivate them, and they said about them, they that have turned the world upside down have come here. I'd like to say it, they that have turned the world right side up have come here also. And see, we can be a part of that. Man, we can be in that team. That all of a sudden should just raise your, your adrenaline levels and, and, and just get you peaked in excitement. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Now, we were, I guess you'd say fortunate in Green Bay because when we came to Green Bay to start the church, I was 46. And uh, my friends thought I was crazy. We moved to this place. We're the largest evangelical church of 300. Um, but we, we just believed. I remember uh, riding around Lambeau Field and saying, God, we've got to reach some of these guys because actually the G on their helmet for most of those people back there, that's their God. If they lose, the city's depressed. I mean, it's unbelievable. Uh, I mean, they got so mad at Dan Devine that they shot his dog when he was the coach. I mean, I'm telling you, that's not, not real nice. I love my dog. They'd have shot my dog. I'd have got mad at them. But the G on their helmet. And then Reggie moved to town and bought a house in a cul-de-sac behind the school where we were meeting, Vincent T. Lombardi Middle School. And we were passing out papers that we had made to talk about our church. And Sarah picked one up on their porch, came to church, and Reggie came. And uh, many of the Packers, uh, Ted Thompson, the general manager of the Green Bay Packers, is a member of the church, and other players and coaches and uh, God gave us a great podium there. But you know, those guys are no different than we are. They just got a lot more zeros on their paychecks. <laughs> you understand what I'm talking about? And, and we, we even told our people, you know, don't bug them for autographs when they're here. Just leave them alone. But sometimes we have a tendency to regard people, oh, that's Reggie. No. And Reggie did bless our church. Not so much financially, but when I'd have him preach, man, we hung people from the rafters. And it was, I mean, it, people would rush to get in and... Uh, but the thing of it is, you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's uh, whoever it is, God's hungry for him. At the little widow on Social Security, you got the up and outers, you got the down and outers, you got the middle class. Man, we have got to be willing just to go after whosoever will. The Bible says, whosoever will, let him come. Amen? So we don't regard people after the flesh. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Man, don't you want to get a part? Now, this, we're talking about renovation here and restoration. Restoration. You see that? I mean, people, lives change. I became a Christian when I was 20. I had been a cruising, boozing, Wisconsin teenager. And then went to college and did, you know, stuff I'm not proud of. And then I got saved. Wow. And I became a new creature. In fact, one of my friends told me after I became a Christian, I picked him up with my Chevy Supersport, and there was a tavern we used to go to. In fact, we had made significant investments there. And he said, Arnie, let's go out to Hazi's. And, and, and I said, Dick, I don't do that anymore. And being a new Christian, I was stupid. I said, well, I'll drop you off. Oh, and he said, Arnie, he said, I heard through the grapevine you became one of those born-again Christians, and they brainwashed you. I said, yes, Dick, I had a dirty old brain, needed a good old washing. 
Are you there? You see, we're in the biblical brainwashing by the blood of Jesus Christ, creating new creatures, that neighborhood friend, that guy at work, that, that, that brother or sister that, that, that doesn't know much about God. I led an old packer to the Lord. In fact, he was voted, he's in the Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio. He was voted as the starting middle linebacker on the 50th NFL team and on the 75th team. His name is Ray Nitschke. Have you ever heard that name? Some of you heard that name? First time, I, I led Ray's wife to the Lord, and I asked her about Ray, and she said he's a good guy, but he's mad at God. She said he golfs every Sunday morning at Oneida Golf and Riding Club. She said his dad was killed when he was five, hit by a streetcar in Chicago. His mother died when he was 13. His older brother raised him to work for the railroad, and he stayed with his older brother, but he was gone all the time, and his brother paid some restaurant to feed Ray, and Ray got mad at God and mad at life and took it out on the football field and became very, very intense as a middle linebacker. First time I met Ray, he said, uh, my wife likes you, so therefore I'll like you. But Christianity is a bunch of BS, and he didn't abbreviate. Then God lifted his wife off a deathbed, and he gave his life to Christ. And quit teeing up on Sunday morning at the golf club. Carol Dale, one of their old receivers at his funeral, said, when Jackie called me and told me that Ray got saved, and Carol Dale had been a Christian and had prayed for Ray for years, he said, I couldn't believe it. And at his funeral, throughout the whole state of Wisconsin, we touched him. Our church grew by 250 the next morning just from that funeral. You see, you see we, when you make a new creature out of someone who's been an old creature, even if they've been a famous old creature, are you there? Things happen. God, so he's involved in marvelous, marvelous things. And that's, I mean, this is better than anything. That's better than anything Microsoft can give you or the, or the latest doodad or the thing you plug in or, or put your music on or whatever. This is exciting. Say it's exciting. Woo! I'm, I'll be done soon. What time is it, by the way? Better check. I'm just looking at this to make you feel good. It's just... Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. So we're in the rec- reconciliation and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. And I really believe that's what the heart of your pastor for this church, Pastor Ron and the staff and the team, is to turn you into a bunch of people who understand that you have the ministry of reconciliation. He's willing, he's told me, and, and this is his heart. He's not just going to preach about it and talk about it. He's going to live it in his neighborhood. He's going to live it with his contacts. Are, are, you, are you there? I mean, I, we, I mean, I've done all kinds of crazy things. Man, if a mouse ran through the parking lot, I tried to get the address and get it to come to Sunday school. But, but I'm telling you, if I saw a moving truck in, in any neighborhood, I had a packet of stuff in my car, I stopped, and I'd give them the packet and say, you're new to the city or new to the neighborhood, you'd probably be looking for a church. And I gave them that stuff, and then I'd get their information, pass it on to a team of people that would come and say, look, at the next couple days we'll provide food, we'll help watch your kids while you're moving in. And you know what? There weren't very many of those new move-ins that we didn't see in our church. And then they'd get saved. You understand what I'm talking about here? And then people got involved in that, and they started reaching their family and their friends. And, and that's what built our church there. We didn't have a pool of a lot of Christians. I wouldn't have minded that because I believe that God brings Christians together from all backgrounds and maybe brought you here specifically to be a part of this great move of God, this great thing that's going to happen in the weeks and the months to come here at this church. Amen. I love this. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. I love this next verse. 
I went to the same college that uh, your pastor went to. I was one of the founding members of Central Bible College. I'm just kidding. I'm not quite that old. But <clears throat> and then I, I became a youth pastor in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. A little group of about 12 kids. And, uh, and then they had this song that we had to sing. How many of you have been in the assemblies a long time? Maybe some of you remember this. In our youth meeting, we said, we are Christ am. Come on, join me. <laughs> yeah. All right, so you know that, right? Oh, that song brought millions of kids to Christ. I mean, it was just, it was so cutting edge, man, that they couldn't stand it. They're singing, we are Christ ambassadors at Bethel Tabernacle Assemblies of God. We've got to get over there and hear it. No. <laughs> I tell you, we reached a lot of kids there, though. But, you know, there, there is something about that. You're an ambassador. You're under assignment. Paul was reminding the Corinthian church, get back to your assignment. He's reminding you today, get back to your assignment. You're an ambassador. I led a, a, a man named Mark Green. He had had a personal uh, encounter with Christ many years earlier when he was in the Peace Corps. And I led Mark to a personal relationship with Christ and he was a lawyer in our town, and he ran for Congress and was elected to the 8th Congressional District um, and really became a close friend. And uh, after four terms in Congress, he decided to run for governor of the state of Wisconsin. And he's an outspoken Christian. And, and I'll tell you, the, the, the agenda came at him and smashed him. In fact, he told me, Arnie, if I get elected, I want to take you to Madison with me, and you can run the faith-based stuff we're going to put together. If he had done that, it would have cost him the next election at least because it wouldn't have worked very well for me to be there in Madison, and that really isn't my calling. He didn't get elected, and uh, I wouldn't say he was depressed, but he thought, you know what, he felt so strongly that God had something for him to do. I bumped into him in an airport a couple years ago, and uh, I said, what's going on, Mark? He was going back to Washington and uh, doing some things, and he said, I just don't know what I'm going to do. But then I uh, bumped into him a, a little while later, and President Bush had appointed him the ambassador of Tanzania. And he was all excited because in Tanzania, when he was a young man, is where he had went during the Peace Corps, and that's where he found Christ, then renewed his commitment to Christ with me, and now he's being sent back as the American ambassador, and he still is to this day. And before he left, and during our conversation, I said, Mark, you're not only the, an ambassador of the United States, you're an ambassador of Jesus Christ. Be outspoken. Share your faith. You see, God wants us to understand that we are his ambassadors. And, and when, we, when we refocus on that, it's like the, the inversion being blown out of the valley there in Salt Lake. It's like all of a sudden when the fog lifts, you see the beauty of what God intended. And some of us have just gotten into sort of a fog in our relationship. And then uh, let's just look at the last verse, and I'll close. Uh, the first verse, excuse me, in, in chapter 6. We then as workers together. You see, we're in this together. I'm here because I'm your pastor's friend, and he invited me to come, and I'm so honored that he did. But we're in this together. You've already partnered with Salt Lake City. Your pastor partnered with us a couple years ago. The church is just about getting to the place where it's going to be able to, 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 to pay its own way. But I've been traveling and helping in that. But we're in this together. Do you understand what I'm talking about? We're ambassadors together with him. Also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Yeah, how can you receive God's grace in vain? You ask yourself that question. For he says, in the acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. You see, now is the day for a massive, massive ingathering like never before. 
Billy Graham might not be capable to hold those big rallies anymore. But I'm telling you what, I believe that the spirit of reconciliation, the spirit of renovation, the spirit of seeing people come to Christ is about to visit this place in unprecedented numbers and get ready and look out because it's going to be fantastic. And you're going to see people just so excited. And they're not going to have to pray David's prayer, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. It will ooze out. When Jesus met the woman at the well, and she was, you know, she was almost like Elizabeth Taylor. She was on number six. Hadn't married him yet. Now, some of you might, that's old news, but. Uh, and he walked her through this whole thing, and he was at Jacob's well. It's a great study. And at that well, he said to her, I have water for you to drink, so you'll never thirst again. And she said, give me that water to drink. She was a woman who had lived her life in and out of sin, multiple marriages, a reputation in the city. And she said, give me that water to drink. I believe, friends, we have that water. And I believe if you get the joy of the Lord in your life and on your face and in your actions and in your integrity and how you live your life, people are going to be saying to you, what have you been drinking? What have you been drinking? What, what fuels you? What is it? And God will just throw open doors like you never imagined before, and he will do things in unprecedented ways. Let's stand up. Oh, it's only two minutes after 12. My, oh, my. I did that so you'll come back tonight. But seriously, I, I do want to say this before we, we take this next step and I turn it back to your pastor. Tonight can be one of the most refreshing and encouraging things that you've ever heard. Because if you're a godly person and you have kids, parents, brothers, sisters, uncles, aunts that don't know Jesus, I am going to give you a simple walk through a text in the Bible to encourage you and, 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 and just be blessed. And as I told you, the books are out there. Pick them up. Um, like I said, if you don't have the money, take it prayerfully. No, but that's okay. If you don't, I, I wouldn't want anybody not to be able to read this and get it in their heart because of 10 bucks. So join it and make those lists, but make two because your pastor is going to put them in, a, in some kind of receptacle. And from time to time, you're going to pray, you know what? If we could just get all of our relatives saved, we'd have, and if the church world would catch on to this, we couldn't build churches fast enough just to handle our relatives and then their relatives and their relatives and their relatives. Does that, does that get you excited? Hope, hopefully we'll see you tonight. So make those lists this afternoon. But I want you to bow your heads just for a moment. I, I, I know some of you, in fact, I actually met a few people who, believe it or not, attended a church where I pastored. A couple of your choir members, the Rubottoms. Uh, actually, Verda worked for me in Salem, Oregon. Did a marvelous job in our early childhood. Her husband, Roger. Their son is very gifted. He works uh, not for Joel Osteen, but does most of his video stuff and for other great groups in, in the country. Uh, but I don't know a lot of you. My assumption is a lot of you are born again. You've been very nice and receptive. But as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, please, every head bowed, every eye closed, no one's looking around. I would just ask you, if you're here today and you say, you know what, Pastor Arnie, I can't be involved in reconciliation until my life gets reconciled to Christ, until I come back to Christ. Maybe a, a parent invited you to come or maybe you just came because you were raised in a Christian home and somehow you found this church 
Whatever the reason you're here, if you don't know Christ, he'd like to come into your life right now. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, just, Pastor Arnie, I'll lift a hand. Would, would you pray for me right where you are? We're not going to embarrass anybody right where you are. Just I look across the building. All right, let's pray this prayer together with those of you that want to give your life to Christ. Dear Jesus, dear Jesus, I'm a sinner. And Lord, today, I receive you as my Savior. Clean me up. Set me free. And Lord, from this day forward, I'm going to serve you. And in God's power, I consider it done. Amen. Let's thank the Lord. Let's give him a clap offering. God bless you, Pastor. Thank you.